I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording on today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I extend my respect to their elders past, present and emerging, and any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander listeners that we have joining us. Sovereignty has never been ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I just broke down in the library. I just had these very intrusive thoughts of suicide. Nothing that had a lot of meaning behind it, but it felt like a lot stronger than what I'd had in the past. So it was this very scary feeling of like, whoa, my mind has just kind of taken over a little bit. And I literally just gathered my stuff, walked out on the street, and I just started bawling my eyes out. Angus McQueen is a friend of mine. He works as an e-commerce warehouse manager here in Sydney, and he loves the ocean, surfing, and is an advocate for men's mental health. He works as a surfing instructor for Waves of Wellness, and we regularly go down and do ice baths together and meditation. Angus lost his mum as a teenager, and he fell into a pretty rough few years of addictive behaviours, partying, and he was just learning how to grieve and heal. We talk about growing up, resilience, and what it means to be alive. This is Life Chats, deep and meaningful conversations with friends and strangers. How would you describe yourself? I would like to think I'm quite relaxed at times, easygoing, and yeah, I just love my friends and family. Yeah. You're a very social person. I want to talk about, because I've known you since we were teenagers, but I didn't know you as a kid, and I think you can tell a lot about a person as an adult about you know, how they grew up and what they liked to do, what they enjoyed doing. So what were you like in your early years? In my early years, I'll, I have a little story. I'll start when I was, I think I was three or four, something like that. And I hadn't spoken a word yet. Wow. Ever. And it's quite a funny story. My mum booked a speech pathologist session and we were literally in the car on the way to my first session and I said my first word. (laughs) What was it? It was Scotty, (laughs) which is my brother's name. That's so nice. Um, So literally she stopped the car, turned the car around and we went home. And I felt like that that little story there kind of carried on throughout my early, probably my first like maybe 10 to 15 years of my life. I was quite a shy person and had some anxieties around that eventually I grew out of. So what was it like being a teenager? Were you quite anxious or yeah. what, what were your passions? I was very I was very sporty. I was into soccer, basketball, tennis, and I had a really good group of friends, very confident group of friends. But yeah, I just had some anxieties around being in public and being by myself in public. I thought I was going to get attacked or something like that. So it kind of restricted my social life in those early teen years. How did you grow out of that or like how did you help yourself through that? So, I mean, back then my mum enrolled me in psychologist sessions and stuff like that. I don't know if there was anything that fully helped me to overcome that anxiety. I felt like I literally just grew out of it right. as the years passed. Do you know where it came from? Because I think a lot of anxiety is like fear of the unknown and people don't know why they're anxious and like that's the whole irony of it is that you don't know what the problem is so you can't fix the problem to stop feeling anxious. But for you, was there like a root cause of the anxiety? 
Not that I know of. There was a there was a couple weird things that I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. And I felt like potentially that was just a trigger uh, for my anxiety. I mean, I was just running um, in Terrigal one day when I was, I don't know, 10, 11. And some guy just started like running behind me as a joke. Oh, okay. But it just kind of put me on edge and I was just like, oh my God, what's happening? And then I feel like that just kind of from that day on, I was a bit just like, oh, like strangers, like I don't really like them. Yeah, a bit hesitant of the world. Yeah. Is that how you feel now in the world? No, 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 completely different. To be honest with you, like back in those teen years, I didn't know how I would ever move out of home, how I would ever be away from my parents. But yeah, now I've lived by myself, lived with friends and moved cities. And travelled yeah. and like done so much. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. What did you want to be when you grew up? Like when in those teen years when you were pretty scared of the world and you were kind of trying to figure yourself out, did you have like a dream or a goal or anything to look forward to? Not really. I feel like, I mean, every kid's dream, I feel like in my group was was to be like a sports superstar. Right. <laughs> um, and my forte, I guess, back then was tennis. So I looked up to to the legend Ro- Roger Federer. Mm. So, yeah. Do you still play tennis? I do every now and then. I've kind of dropped off a bit, but yeah, um, yeah. it's easy to pick up a racket. Yeah. It can, it can be something you do your whole life. Yeah. Can we talk about your mom? Yeah. What was she like? She was lovely. She was really, really down to earth, very caring, wanted the best for everyone. She really cared about everyone else before herself. Yeah. How would her friends describe her? What would be some words to describe her? What would be some words? Man, it's a while ago. I guess, yeah, just just giving, supportive in any of their endeavours, definitely. Do you remember when you found out that she was sick? Were you, how old were you? So my mum actually had cancer before I was born or while she was pregnant wow. with me. Um, so it was kind of there my whole life, this cancer throughout her body. And I actually had a twin as well, but it didn't wow. survive the birth. So it was just me. So mum always thought of me as the the special miracle child. But Throughout my life, uh, yeah, she probably had cancer on and off maybe three or four times from, yeah, before I was born to the age of 16 when she passed away. What was that like growing up? Were your friends aware of it? Did you feel like you were supported? Just talk me through kind of what that looked like as a kid. To be honest with you, I didn't know anything different. It was kind of what I grew up with being in hospitals, her being sick, dad traveling, my friends looking out for me, cooking me meals, staying at their place. And that's kind of how, how my first year, 16 years kind of looked. And how did you cope with that? Like whether, I suppose you're a child, you probably didn't really know how to, but was there anything that you used to do that would make you feel better? Or if you were quite unsettled, like what did you used to do to help yourself? Oh yeah. Like looking back at it now, I was very young and there wasn't anything that could really, I didn't, feel like I had much knowledge in the whole mental health world back then as probably the normal normal teenage boy would. Yeah. But I guess just the support of our family friends really probably helped to kind of take my mind off things and put me at ease. Yeah, I feel like mental health has definitely exploded into like 
cultural conversation in the last five years, but particularly for men, there's not a lot of, there now is, but there was not a lot of like education or advocacy around support groups and speaking out. And so that would have been hard for you at the time or maybe in the years after your mum passed. Definitely. I was never ashamed of mental health issues I had and I was never afraid to really talk about them. I don't know why, it just never came into my mind. It was just, I feel like something I've always had. So it was just, again, normal normal to me in my life. Yeah, I think this podcast will help so many because a lot of people don't have that Mm. free will to speak about things they feel really ashamed or judged or just scared to like speak their truth. So yeah, even though you don't see it as a big deal, like kudos, because I I really think it can be hard to talk about, you know, your struggles and your vulnerabilities. So what kind of happened after your mum passed? How did you cope with that? I don't know if I actually did cope. I feel like I was a very young teenage boy and I felt like I was coping well with it, but I don't know if I ever actually kind of grieved properly. I felt like, again, I felt like I probably was doing it, but looking back at it now being 25, I was extremely young. And yeah, I guess I guess back then I, I thought I had it all going on, but I guess I guess I didn't. How did your brother and your dad cope? Because you were all obviously living together at the time. Yeah. My dad traveled a lot, so it was quite tough on my brother and I. We were having to go and stay with friends and live with friends. And when my mum passed away, my brother was 18, so a tough age for him. He was kind of just finished school, didn't know what he wanted to do. So he had his own separate mental health issues. Um, I won't get into that too much. That's all right. But yeah. No, it was it was the support of very close family friends that kind of helped me through that period. If anyone's listening that's just recently lost a loved one, how can people around them help them? Like what did you need at that time? Because I think there's a lot of like checking in yep. and cooking meals and yep. that's all great for like the first two weeks. But mm. then after that all falls away, mm. how can you show up for that person? Yeah, absolutely. I guess for me, there was this one family, Worrell family, who kind of literally just kind of grabbed me up. And took me into <laughs> yeah. their house and just nurtured me the whole way. And, and they still do. So I guess for me, if you are being okay with being literally just nurtured and full on attention, then then that would be the best thing. Literally just be there for them every day. Yeah. And like if you are grieving, let people help you. Yeah. Because I think there must be sort of like a tendency to push people away because you feel alone in your experience. I have not experienced that. So I don't, I'm not speaking from experience, but what was it like for you? Did you feel like you could accept help freely or did you feel bad about it or? No, no, I, um, I, I quite enjoyed the help and the, the support. Like, I mean, I have made lifelong friends. They're like your family now, yeah. the laurels. Yeah. You're just there for Christmas, weren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I will be for years <laughs> Every <to come>. Christmas. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I mean, uh, Margie's son, Fergus, like I didn't even really know too well before then. And then all of a sudden now I have like a best friend for like life. Like a brother. Yeah. Yeah. And he will literally, he's been my saviour throughout the past six, seven years, no matter what. If you are having like a particularly tough day, mm. like would you say that you still struggle with anxiety? Is that something that you still experience? I actually, I feel like my anxieties have subsided in the past kind of year or two, which has been quite nice. Not from any any doing or practices. Again, I just feel like growing up, growing out of it. If you are having a tough day, yep. you call on people like Fergus or, you know, a, a really close best friend. 
are you the type of person to reach out? Will you actually tell someone you're having a rough one? Mm. Or will you kind of go alone? It depends what kind of mood I'm in. It can look for me literally just shutting the door, pulling the curtains and just not talking to anyone, which which I did do back in 2020, I think. And then on the flip side, it might be like ringing up Fergus and go, hey, mate, look, can we just chat? Yeah. Can we go for a swim? Yeah. Can we go for a walk? Which he's always up for. And, man, I feel good after chatting yeah. it. Chatting it out, getting it off my chest for sure. Does he live in Sydney? He literally lives two two doors down (laughs) from me. That's so good. Which is sick. That's so good. I'm a bit like that. Like sometimes I just need my own space and I really need to just process and feel my own emotions and like outside noise just distracts from that. And other times I'm like I need to tell someone what's going on and kind of like verbalize it and work through it. Did I read correctly? You did like a beautiful post for Waves of Wellness and you kind of spoke about your mental health journey. Did I read correctly that you kind of said you had a few years of addiction or like party behaviors? Yeah, or absolutely. Let's talk about that. I feel I moved to Sydney back in 2019, which was a very good move. I feel like living on the Central Coast, it's, it's a great lifestyle, but I feel like for me to grow, I had to move move away. And I just started started having a sick time like with all these new friends and I still do and I still party a lot now but I feel like I manage my mental health as well as partying and yeah I guess in the first year two years I was just full-on just having a good time which was having so much fun but I guess it caught up with me Yeah, yeah was there a flip side to that like what was it a weekly thing like you'd party on the weekends and you'd feel shit throughout the week or were you kind of just sustaining this massive high and then it kind of all came crashing down no no it was it was literally like monday tuesday would be like don't talk to me and what made you want to stop doing that or how did that like change well i guess going through that tough period in 2020 when i had when i had depression yeah did you know it was depression at the time no no i did it took me a while to realize i was seeing a psychologist for maybe three months and it took maybe two months for her to literally just say the words, you you are depressed, you have depression. Wow. And her saying those words actually kind of took so much weight off my shoulders. It was like, Yeah, it was a, was a bit of a relief for sure. Why do you think that was? I guess just, I don't know, just someone telling you that you are, you are feeling down, you are, you are down in the dumps. Mm, like validating okay. you. Yeah, validation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. What were your symptoms of depression? Because I think it looks different on everyone. Absolutely. How did yours kind of manifest? As I said before, I would literally just stick in my room. I was living with three other housemates who were my best friends and I would literally just not talk to them. Did you have a job? I can't remember. I think I was working just as like a night feel person in Mm -hmm, the local mm -hmm, supermarket mm -hmm. and again, down those aisles, it was just a bit dark and depressing mm. that whole period. And quiet at night when no one's yeah. up, like you're just yeah. literally there alone. Absolutely, yeah. So it was a it was a quite lonely period for me, even though I had all this party and all these friends around me. Have you had, I meant to ask this before when we were talking about you being a teenager, mm. have you had girlfriends throughout the years? No, I've actually never had a long-term relationship. Neither have I. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. feel like it's it's a common thing when... You grow up on the coast, it's quite small, people move away and yep. then, yeah. But I was just wondering, like, if you were, if you did have a girlfriend, was she aware of how you were at? But I suppose we can ask it about friends. Like, did mm. they know that that's how low you were? I feel like they did and I they wanted to give me my space 
And Ferg, Ferg would definitely kind of kind of prod me to talk, right? Which, at the end of the day, is exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show the power of like your friends actually checking in on you, and even mm. if the person pushes you away to keep trying and keep mm. trying, or at least just let them know that you're there. But for you, the partying or whatever that those few years were, was it drinking? Was it drugs? You don't have to say exactly what it was, but it was a yeah, what did it was, you a, turn it was to? a combination of both. Definitely, and it's still it is still a combination of both, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but again, I've I've learned to manage that and balance it out a little bit here and there. How do you do that? I do that by, again, ice baths during yeah, the week. Yeah. Um, I've meditated, and quite recently, I just went on a meditation retreat up in the Blue Mountains. Yeah, I really want to hear about that. We might save our practices for the end because yeah. there's quite a few to talk through. You're such a like. You throw yourself into all these different experiences. I want to hear about what the turning point for you was with this like depressive few years. Mm. When did that change? Was it like all of a sudden you you were sick of feeling that way or did it take some time? It definitely took some work. I once I once I got told I I, I had depression, I signed up to uh, this charity. Um, which runs programs for uh, men's mental health. How did you hear about that? So it was quite funny. Margie, she's a very successful businesswoman and she was helping out the CEO and founder. Mm-hmm. Joel, Joel. Yeah. I want to get him on the pod. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a great guy. Him. A lot of energy. Um, <laughs> love that guy. So yeah. And then funny enough, one of my friends that I met in Sydney was one of the facilitators working at mm-hmm. Bondi. So it was kind of just like a match made in heaven and I was like, right, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. And so it was a six-week program and they based the programs around learning to surf and just chatting on the beach, which was great. What was your first session like? First session was good. I was a bit nervous as usual. <laughs> as usual. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, it was great. Uh, what did you do? We literally just sat on the beach in a circle and just just chatted. Mm-hmm. And I think it doesn't happen often, but Joel, the CEO, was down there for that first session. Yeah. And he just brought so much energy to the chat and so much just like kind heartedness. I just felt like secure, mm. which was just great. And then we just went out for a surf and just like let so much energy out, which is great. Did you share much about where you were at at the time or you just kind of went rocked up and kind of went with it? No, no, I, I, I was kind of just popping out of my, my really bad depressive state, and, and there was some tough, there was t- some tough stories there from some other participants, mm-hmm. which really kind of helped me to uh, connect with them and connect with the mental health space in general. Yeah, I feel like for someone who is happy or not happy, like open mm. and willing to talk about where you're at mentally and then being around other people who are doing the same, it was kind of like the perfect environment for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it definitely was. I remember um, it was once a week on Wednesday and I could just count on every Wednesday being a good day. Yeah, that's so nice. It was a tough wake up. I was living in Camperdown at the time and it was like I had to get up at like 4.30 or something like that, <laughs> get two buses down there. It was dark and I was like, oh, i just got to do this. You knew it was yeah. something you had to do. Absolutely. It was almost like the universe was sending you little signs because you had Margie meet mm. Joel and mm. then you had a friend. Yeah. So it was like the universe was leading you to that space. Yeah, it was, it was weird. And then after that, I just loved it so much, I ended up just volunteering there. Mm-hmm. 
in the sessions for like I did I think I did three or four uh, six week blocks during the was, week. Yeah, and then you go to work after. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was um, it was fun. What What was that like? Do you? It was It was quite. Oh, I don't know the word. It was on the flip side of where I was. It was on yeah. the other on the page. I was looking at all these participants coming down and hearing about their struggles. And I was just like, I just wanted to instill so much kind of energy into them mm-hmm. that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like I've just been through what I thought was hell. Um, yeah. And I know everyone's different and everyone goes through tough periods. But yeah, as Waves of Wellness is, the waves come up and down. Is that the kind of the mantra or the motto of Waves of Wellness? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, the ripple effect, one with spreading spreading the word of waves of wellness and to just waves in your life. You have ups and mm-hmm. you have downs and you just got to ride that wave. I've actually got tattooed on me this too shall pass, which is a similar concept because it's something my dad always says to me. It's like if you're in the depths of despair, it's going to pass. Like it doesn't feel like it will, but it this won't be how you'll feel forever. Yeah. But on the flip side, when you're so high and loving life and at the top of the roller coaster and everything's great that will also pass so you have to hang on to those good times and be appreciative and Mm. know that in the bad times you're going to be okay too that that will end absolutely if you're comfortable to talk about it Mm. what were some of the worst days for you in your depression like what were the sort of thoughts going through your head yeah yeah there was uh there was one day that literally i feel like was my rock bottom i was studying a bachelor of business um at this time studying it was a very uh, <laughs> i don't know what the word is, definitely wasn't putting Enro- much effort into enrolled that. in yeah yeah i was enrolled um and i was somehow at the uni library trying to study hey at least you were there yeah i know you just got to show up some days <laughs> yeah and i just broke down in the in the library i just had these very intrusive thoughts of of suicide Nothing that had a lot of meaning behind it, but it felt like a lot stronger than what I'd had in the past. So it was this very scary feeling of like, whoa, my mind is just kind of taken over a little bit. Mm. And I literally just gathered my stuff, walked out on the street, and I just started bawling my eyes out. And I rang Ferg and I just, I couldn't really speak on the phone, but he could just hear I was upset. And in the space of an hour and a half he'd driven from the central coast to sydney picked me up and take me back to what we call their home the sanctuary oh that's so nice (laughs) so yeah that was that was my rock bottom and what did it feel like arriving to the sanctuary it felt it felt like i needed it Mm -hmm. it felt like that that kind of day had to happen yeah it was a that was my turning point definitely Did you kind of sit down with Margie and the fam and kind of talk about next steps or did you just, were you just held in that moment or? There was, there was food that night. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As usual, as Margie would, um, would usually do. And I, I remember Margie just giving me my space. She didn't bombard me straight away, which at the time, to be honest, I was like, oh, I wonder why she's not really asking too many questions. But then. I think it was the next day or something like that. She sat me down and right. she said, right, what's going on? Which was just, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, it was great. It was great support, I remember. Did you tell her honestly where you were at? That you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I told her exactly what, I just, what I've just recounted then. Mm-hmm. And what did you guys decide to do next? 
Um, I think that's when she mentioned Waves of Wellness. Right. Yeah. So that's where that kind of led to. And I remember her and Fergus both just saying, you just need to, you need to talk mm-hmm. more often and chat and ring whenever you need to. It's so important because I think we can so easily brush off people kind of like attempting to help us by just saying like, yeah, I'm all good. I'm fine. I'll be fine. I'm very good at that. And last year was probably the first year that I experienced depression for the first time in my life. And like you said, it can be... Sorry to hear. That's okay. Thank you. It was not... I never felt suicidal, but I did get to a point where I kind of like was scared by my own thoughts. And I remember having like hysterical conversations with my parents when I lived in Sydney and they lived on the Central Coast just crying and just saying, I don't even know where these thoughts are coming from. These thoughts are not my own. Like, I'm actually scared of myself because this is not me. Like, Mm. I don't know where this person's coming from. Well, that's exactly what happened in that, in the library that day for me. So there we go. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty scary. And I remember just crying all the time. Like, I would drive to work, I'd be crying, and then Mm. I'd collect myself and go and sit in an office for nine hours a day, and I'd be totally fine and cheerful, and then I'd go back in the car to drive home, and I'd cry again. And I'd think, like, this is not normal. Mm. This is not Mm. me just crying every day of my life when there was seemingly no big issue. And that's one of my tasks because I was kind of living – I just didn't feel good where I was living. I was living with a stranger. I felt like I needed my own space and I kind of had a similar like something's got to change. I've got to just make one change that will shift the needle slightly from where I currently am. But the support of like your friends and family is everything. Yeah, Just having people like hold you and and say, you know, we've got you, you can do this. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. It's a blessing. So... We do conscious community together. Yeah, Speaking awesome. of support. Yeah. <laughs> you know how funny it is now that we're doing it? I'm putting it on social media and stuff. People from work are like, hey, you do that ice bath. Or like I was at the hairdresser yesterday and one of the girls said, I want to do ice baths, but I don't know how. I'm yeah, like, come yeah. with us. So many people have said that to me too yeah. as well. So funny. So talk about your first day. Oh, I remember you picked me up. It was, again, <laughs> it was dark. I had a jump on. 4.30. I think, yeah, it's crazy. And I think it was in winter or like the yeah, back end of winter. Cold. So it was cold and I was so nervous, I remember. And I got in there and I was just like, <sighs> and I thought I literally was going to pass out. I was like, oh, I have to get out. Like I'm going to die yeah. here. But then after 30 seconds, your whole body just like it just adapts and you just kind of de-stress a little bit and you're just like, which is just peaceful. That is literally the feeling. It just, I actually felt the one that we did on Wednesday or whenever it was, that I actually could feel the tension like leaving my body. It would just, it kind of, I could feel my body release into the ice because you don't really have any other option. You're like, I'm in here, I'm doing this. And you just focus on your breath and you can kind of feel it all Mm. kind of drift away. But what you said you were scared or like nervous for your first time. What were you nervous about? Fear of the unknown or what was it? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, fear of the unknown. I didn't, that first time was by far the most nervous I've been. To be honest, I still get a little so bit nervous, like <laughs> maybe the minute before yeah. when we're in line and we're about to hop up. I'm like, oh. I think geez. it's adrenaline though. You're yeah. like, I've got this. Potentially, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, it's just probably fear of the unknown, definitely. I'd never done one yeah. before, so. I had done a couple, but oh, I was still worried. Like I just, 
I think you, I hate the cold and I think you make it out to be a bigger deal than it is. Yeah. Like you're like, we're not meant to be cold. It's bad for our health. Like I had all these thoughts going through my head. Like this is bad for you. You shouldn't stress yourself out like this. You need to be kind to your body. Like all these things that I actually feel the same way when I do like a long distance run. My my mind starts to play tricks on me. It's like, this is actually not good for you. You should probably stop. You're going to really? hurt yourself. And I'm like, no, people have run for like, 50 hours straight yeah, yeah. and they're fine. Ned so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ned Brockman, exactly. I can't complain about a half marathon on a Saturday with all the Gatorade in the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I, I love the ice baths now and I feel like it's a really special community down there. People are always willing to have a chat. Absolutely. Yeah, I love, I love it. Weekly. And- there's something special about just like showing up. Mm. It's before work. You've got to get your shit together. You've got to go about your day. But people just make the time and they're like, I'm going to do this for me. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's a great feeling. It's so good. Um, what else do you do now for your mental health? So, is that? What do I do? I guess, I mean, that silent retreat I did on last weekend was was definitely for my mental health. I wanted to start 2023 off on a good note. So, yeah, so I went up to the Blue Mountains and there was no talking, no phones and no time. They covered up all the clocks for, I think, two nights, which is uh, 40 hours. I would die. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't really think about it until I'd caught the train up. I think it was like two, two and a half hours. And then I was about five meters away from the front door reception. I was like, oh, hang on. What am I getting into? Yeah. But then once I was in there, it was great. It was like four hours of meditation a day, vegan food, just all these kind of things that just literally cleansed my cleansed my body. For someone who doesn't regularly meditate four hours a day, mm. what was that like? I thought it would be harder than what it was, but I guess once I was up there, I knew that's just my weekend was that. So I had really no other option. Well, there was an option. You didn't have to go to all the classes, but but I did. I just kind of lay there and... Sometimes I'm quite harsh on myself when I meditate. I feel like a lot of people are. They're like, oh, I'm not doing it correctly. I'm thinking about all this other stuff. And I kind of just let that be. I was just like, oh, look, even if I just lay here, it's going to be meditating some sort. So I think even one time I just fell asleep for like 45 (laughs) minutes. That's a form of meditation. Yeah. I think what you said about having the thoughts though is so true. Often I speak to friends or people that are like, I'd love to start meditating, but I'm not good at it. I'm like, that is literally the whole point. Mm. No one is intrinsically good at this unless you're a monk. Like anyone Mm. who's good at this has done it a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of times, but it's about knowing that those thoughts are there and kind of just quietening them and allowing Mm. them to be. Absolutely. Speaking of Ned Brockman, it's actually so funny because he kind of explained his long runs as being like meditative in a a way because, yeah, for nine hours you're just listening to your own thoughts. But the way that he described it, I think, was that if he had like a thought come in that was, you can't do this, this sucks, or, you know, just negative energy, he would basically just say, like, pull up a seat, you know, sit down. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. You're allowed to be here, like, to the thought. You can stay. But, yeah, you're not having any power over me. Because I think when you try to fight it, when you're like, oh, fuck, 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 yeah, I shouldn't yeah. be thinking that. Like, yeah, I'm doing yeah. it wrong. I, I fucked it up. Yeah, yeah. Then it just starts to spiral. Yeah, yeah. It gains power. Yeah. I think it's the same for anything though, right? Like any thought pattern. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. You like meditating now? Something you do daily? Uh, it's not something I do daily, no. I probably only do it like once or twice a week, if that. Again, I would like to do it more. But whenever I feel like I need it, I just jump on. 
what are the benefits for you? How do you feel? Um, like I just did it before on the beach actually. And I was just mm. very, I was just chilled. I was a bit like nervous coming in no here. Wonder. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no wonder you came in so chill because you oh, meditated no. before. Yeah, yeah. And then I was just walking the back streets of Bondi. I was like, oh, I might get something to eat. And then I was like, oh, I just feel like a sandwich. I was like, just started walking like these random roads that I'd never been down before and started like looking at all the houses. And I felt like I was just in this like really just relaxed state. And I was like, oh, like this, this is probably a form of meditation. 100%. Were you saying at the silent retreat that people are encouraged to walk slowly? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, like very, very slowly. Like think of slow and then just <laughs> go even slower. Um, and so, yeah, I was just like walking around all weekend just super slow, which is weird for me because I work in a very fast-paced mm, environment. You're on your feet warehouse. too. Yeah. So, it was quite nice. It, apparently, it slows down all the nervous system, which is um, just cool. Yeah, for sure. Like you're parasympathetic. Well, that's so true. I think that strolling, like you said, the back streets or just an area you've never been before, like encourages you to just be present in the moment. Like you're looking at trees, you're looking at houses, you're not on your phone, you don't have music playing, you're just in this environment you've never been before. It kind of forces you to do that. But you had the, and still do, had the best energy when you came in here before. Really? And I'm such a highly strong person, yeah. like frazzled energy. I was like gearing myself up for round two and then you come in and I'm like, wow, you your energy like emanates off you and I think can affect the people around you. Oh, really? Thank yes, you. Yes, for sure. It's the truth. Like you, you're you always very calm, but particularly today I felt like you oh, were wow. very calm. Maybe you needed it. <laughs> I did. Do you uh, think about your mum often and what do you think about her? It's funny you ask. Yesterday, I actually was um, sitting eating some food about to see the new Avatar movie. Yeah. And I was just sitting, I was like, oh, I imagine what it would be like to have my mum here today. I was like, would I be hanging out with her on the weekends instead of my friends? Like, would she be here with, with me now? So, yeah, on the occasion, just something like wholesome, just something not even massive, like just going to the movies. I sometimes just think, oh, what if she was here? I wish she could come with me. Yeah. Um, and yeah. What do you think she would say to you? Oh, she would definitely come. She loved movies. Yeah. Yeah. She was, yeah. I'd just be cool to hang out with her, yeah, I feel. Yeah, one-on-one. I just feel like because I'm such a different person to what I was close to 10 years ago she never or I never got to experience that time with her when I was 18 when I was 20 22 when I am now Mm. um so I just can't I can't comprehend what it would be like but I feel like it would be pretty cool it would be yeah what would you say to her if you could like reach out and and say it now uh I don't know like I would maybe like look at me now (laughs) (laughs) I've um I feel like I've I've come a long way yeah, yeah, you have. Yeah. Do you believe in like we go somewhere after we die or what are your kind of thoughts around that? I haven't had much thought to be uh, to be honest about all that kind of stuff. I feel like that's yet to come in my life mm-hmm. and it will. Yeah. Did you grow up religious or? No. no. Yeah, I think it's something that's like deeply personal and people mm. kind of develop their own belief systems through their experiences. But I was just interested to ask you because I think that sometimes losing a loved one can like shape your your belief systems or change them or mm. so yeah i think if that's going to come later in life then yeah i feel like it will i'm yet to kind of yeah go down that road yeah yeah it's you've got to be open to it i think yeah, yeah. for sure what 
are your goals in your life, in your career or otherwise? What would kind of light you up? I want to just go traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, I think I'm going to go in July. <gasps> Where are you going to go? I revel- revelation this week. I just want to go live in a different country, probably Europe somewhere. Amazing. And just experience, experience the world traveling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you've done a little bit of Europe. Yeah. Where exactly can you see yourself living? Probably probably in London, to be honest. I have a few friends over there um, and my dad and his partner are doing a house swap oh. in July. So I feel like I'm I'm destined for there. Yeah. <laughs> it's another little universe sign. Absolutely. We haven't really spoken about your dad. Mm. Do you mind if I ask, like, how's yeah. your relationship? My relationship with my, with my dad's pretty good, to be honest. We're not super, super close mm-hmm. and, like, deep and meaningful. But, yeah, we talk on weekly basis, mm-hmm. definitely. He obviously lives in Auckland and travels the world, so I don't I don't see him too often, mm-hmm. which, again, I've been used to my whole life, so it's nothing um, nothing too, too major there. Yeah, that's just the nature of your relationship. Yeah. It's just I think it's beautiful that you have Fergus and his family because it's nice to have someone physically close by when you need them too, but mm. it's awesome that you've got your dad on speed dial. Yeah, too. yeah, I, I feel like I would be fucked <laughs> without the Worrells. Shout out to the Worrells. Yeah, yeah. You. Oh, honestly, it's so lovely. So you want to travel. What about jobs-wise? Anything um, that you really love, enjoy doing or can imagine that you would enjoy doing? I'm currently working at an e-commerce online clothing store mm-hmm. and managing their inventory, which I feel like I really enjoy. It is very full-on and fast-paced and very hard work, um, but I feel like I'm a person where I like to see a physical change. Mm. So a warehouse environment for me is probably is probably where where I will be, I feel like in the logistics supply chain area. Yeah. You like having kind of a connection to all different parts of the business and you kind of like you speak to everyone. Absolutely. It yeah. would be quite challenging too, so it's probably like it keeps you on your feet and absolutely, yeah, twenty six thousand steps. <laughs> twenty six thousand. <000. laughs> yeah. Holy moly. Yeah, that's crazy. Is there anything that you want to share or I imagine we have quite a young listenership. Yeah. So if you, is there anything you can share if anyone's struggling with addiction or mental health, kind of any tips? Um, oh, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm the wise at all, but I guess from my personal experience, as hard as it is to accept, things will pass just like that wave, got to mm-hmm. ride that wave. And what would you say to them if they're currently in it right now? I would seek out some some forms of help, definitely through programs. I know people obviously say go to a psychologist, mm-hmm. but I would look elsewhere. For me, it was Waves of Wellness, which I didn't even know existed. So yeah, reach out to to some obscure programs, which like could help you. Like a community group. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like like conscious community, yeah. like the ice baths. Or 440 if you like running, if you're awesome. in Sydney. I do the 440 and it's a very similar situation. Like it's up early, you're in the dark, you get in, you do your run. Often no one's looking at you or talking to you because you're there at five o'clock in the morning. And those sorts of environments can be really good for people who just need to feel like they've got others around them, but maybe aren't ready to open up or share yet. It's just nice to feel like you're a part of something. Yeah, there's so many around these days. I feel like in the past three to five Mm. years, this whole mental health community sector has just exploded 
Yeah. So if if you do if you are looking for something, there's heaps heaps out there. Would you ever work in mental health? I have thought about it. I was like, oh, maybe I quit my job and just go. You'd work be for amazing. Waves yeah, <laughs> would be pretty cool. You'd be awesome, or like a counselor, or yeah, and you can do that from anywhere something. in the world. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about? We have a closing tradition on the podcast. Yeah. Everyone has to answer the same question. Yeah. There's no right or wrong. So uh, you just answer in a way that feels right for you. Yeah. It's a very easy question. All right. <laughs> it's what is the meaning of life? The meaning of life is to be happy, fulfilled, and for me, caring. Yeah. Amazing. With that. We'll close the episode. Angus, Thanks, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your honesty and vulnerability. I really feel like this conversation will help so many just to feel like they're not alone, their experiences are valid, and I just like want to honour and validate you for showing up today and doing this even though you were nervous. Yeah. I think that's awesome. No, thank you. I've, I've actually had a enjoyable time. It's been awesome. Yeah, it's been times passed really quickly. Yeah. It, yeah, so quick. And for us, like it's so nice that we've known each other since – you know, we used to work in an ice creamery, for those who don't know. Yeah. And we'd rock up, we'd do our shifts, we'd eat some ice cream. Awesome. We'd never really have a like a chat. And no. now here we are 10 years later going to ice baths together. And it's crazy. And having like D&Ms about grief and loss and addiction and belief systems. And yeah. The world is growing. The world <laughs> is growing. It's great. I just think that that's awesome. So thank you so much. And let's go jump in the ocean. You. Let's Bye. do it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please let me know who you'd love to hear from next or if you have a story to share, I'd love to get in touch with you. You can connect directly with me on Instagram at Life Chats Podcast, one word. And every review and share really does help so much in the early days of building a podcast. So if you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it on social media or you can snap a pic of where you might be listening and jump onto Apple Podcasts and give us a review. I really do appreciate the support more than you know. Have a beautiful morning, afternoon or evening wherever you may be listening in the world. I'm Georgia May and this is Life Chats.